Well, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here and we've got a very interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard business tips. This particular one, keep experimenting with different leadership styles. We'll also be having our chat with Christina and we'll be looking at that little first task that we set for you last week. But right now we're going to have a chat with Kimberly Claire Campbell from the Hunter Region Business Hub. She's a digital advisor there and we're going to talk about some essential things that your website needs. Good afternoon, Kimberly. Hi, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, it's quite a nice day at the moment. Going to be a bit cloudy later on. Cool. So we know that as business owners, it's important to have a website for our business. Is there anything we need to be aware of that we must have on the website? Yeah, there are a few things. One of the things that I noticed with small business people is that when they get their website and it's first up, they're really proud of it. They're really excited about having it and they check it every day and wait for it to appear on Google. But as time goes by, they just, think of their website as another tool in their business and because it's self-sufficient, it often gets neglected. So I think it's um, really important for small businesses to get that passion back into their website and to start taking care of it again Um, and to actually go and visit their website as if they were their own customer. How easy is is it for them to find things? Can they... um, shop easily or is it really hard to navigate the shopping cart? Is there lots of information that they have to keep putting in over and over again? Um, Checking that customer buying experience is really essential. And the other essential thing to ask is, does your website make your customers feel safe and confident to buy from you? Well, talking about that, we can see from the news that identity theft through fake websites is increasing as small business owners. How can we make our customers feel safe on our website? The first thing I would suggest is that we have consistent branding. I'm sure we've all seen those websites where, you know, it's a bit of a hodgepodge. They've got one colour on one page and a bit of a different colour on another page. So it doesn't give that feeling of security. Uh, Even startup brands these days are spending um, energy into having a brand identity So we need to make sure that we keep our branding consistent, not having a massive logo, but a nice, neat, tidy little logo in the corner. Um, We have our brand colours and our page design consistent across every page of our website. Another thing to do is to make sure that we check our grammar and our spelling. We've, We've seen those websites that don't look right because the spelling's wrong or the grammar's wrong. And it just makes us feel less confident that we're dealing with a business that really knows their stuff. Another really important consideration and one that people don't realise enough, I think, is that we need to have policy, privacy policies in place and they need to be easily accessible by your visitor. Uh, As an Australian-based business, you must comply with the Australian Privacy Act of 1988. And then depending on where your customers are located, you may also need to comply with international privacy laws. So there's been some new privacy laws introduced recently. Mm. So uh, a couple of new ones. There's the General Data Protection Regulation or the GDPR. That was introduced a couple of years ago. There was a lot of flurry of activity um, with people making sure that their, their database was compliant with the GDPR. Um, and that's 
related to European kinds. So if you've got a customer who's a European national, they're purchasing in Australia, you now have to comply with the GDPR for that client. That's really something that even though we're Australian-based businesses, we need to be aware of. Um, in the last couple of months, there's been two new laws introduced worldwide. One of those is the Californian Consumer Privacy Act, and that also includes a do not sell data clause. Um, of course, in Australia, we are not allowed to sell customer data, but in America, they can. Um, so you were finding that people would be selling their databases from their website for money. Now in California, they're not allowed to do that. Uh, and the next one, the newest one, is the Brazilian General Data Protection Law. And that was enacted in August this year, so very new. And it protects all the citizens of Brazil and their data, no, man, no matter where that data was collected. So we've, we've covered the privacy laws. Are there any other legal requirements for our website? Yes. So there's a few more and it really helps customers feel confident and see your business as legitimate if you've got these in place. So the first one would be your site's terms and conditions and that covers details of who owns the website, your refund policy, the limitations of your liability through your website, the cookies that you use and any businesses that have access to your customers' data. So, so how would third parties gain access to a customer's data? Yeah, it's one that we're quite shocked at, but when we think about it, we can go, ah, oh, okay. So if you've got Google Analytics or you use um, Google Ads, Facebook remarketing, if you've got a sign-up box on your website where people can subscribe to your newsletter and that goes back to your email provider, someone like MailerLite, Constant Contact, etc., or if you're a drop, drop shipping company, um, you're sharing data with your client's data with all of those organisations without really being aware that it's happening in the background. So we need to um, make sure that we're behaving well with that data and we disclose those third-party organisations to our customers in that terms and conditions. So is there any documentation that you must have about your website terms of use? Yes. So many of us have seen those little words, T-O-U, and wondered what they mean. And it does, as you said, it means terms of use. And it's really the rules for people who are using your website. So as a legitimate business, you need to have this on your website because it does build confidence with your client. And at least what's prohibited for that customer to, to do on your website how you protect both your intellectual property and that of your suppliers. So if you're selling another person's uh, products through your business, you need to protect their intellectual property, their photos, um, their co word copy on your website as well. And that will all be listed in that TOU or terms and conditions. And you may also need to have a disclaimer to limit the liability of use of your website. One thing we don't realise is that when we visit a website and we see that little pop-up box saying, do you agree to this site's terms of use? And we either don't click on it or we click out of it and don't agree with it, but we keep using that website, we have now automatically agreed to those terms and conditions, even though we didn't click the little boxes. So because... Um, 
we're not aware doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to us. And with anything on your website, if you're looking at legal documents, please make sure that they're compliant with Australian laws. Don't download a freebie because most of the time they're international and they're not relevant to Australian laws. So get a good business lawyer to write them and make sure that they're a solid legal document for your business. So we've covered the legal aspects of gaining your website uh, visitors' confidence. Are there any technical things that we can do to protect our customers? Yeah, there's a few other things we can do. We can make sure we've got an SSL certificate or a secure socket layer. And that's the little padlock that you see before the (laughs) the domain name. And that just um, scrambles all the information between your website and your customer's website to avoid hackers getting that information. Uh, You will find that um, Google won't direct people to sites without an SSL certificate, something that's becoming more and more important. Uh, The other one is updating your software, your website software themes and plugins. And this is especially important if you're on a WordPress website. Uh, It's one of the most popular platforms and everybody recommends if you're going to really build a strong business, that's where you need to be. But it's also one of the most vulnerable um, platforms because it's open source, which means anybody can contribute to it. Um, And hackers get in there because it's popular. They can get more leverage for their time. So if you do have a WordPress website, make sure that you update all the software. Do the software, the plugins, and and the theme especially. And if you're choosing new plugins or themes, make sure that they are being updated regularly and not once a year because you need to know that your site is, is safe. If you're someone that's not very tech savvy and all that kind of bamboozles you, get your website developer to do that and schedule updates. While there is a fee for service, the cost of having your website hacked can can end up being thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. You really need to make sure that you protect yourself and your customers. So would you like to give our listeners a quick summary of what we've discussed, those seven important points? Sure. So first one is to be consistent with your branding, your colours, your fonts, your logo and your language. Number two is make sure that you have an accessible privacy policy on your website and that everyone in your business follows those guidelines. Number three is if you have customers or clients who live overseas, find out where they are and what privacy laws your business needs to follow. Being unaware is not an excuse for not obeying those kind of laws. You must have a terms and conditions policy and a terms of use for your website. Number six is make sure you have a secure and SSL certificate. And number seven is make sure that you keep all the software themes and plugins for your website updated regularly. Well, that's very, very important information. Thank you again for uh, helping us to understand that. And uh, we'll have a chat with you again next month. Kimberly Care Campbell there with those important seven tips. And it's amazing how many websites do not follow them. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. It's coming up to 25 minutes past one. Time to have our chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Now, we're going to check and see whether our uh, listeners have been working on those on the first of the seven points. And uh, I believe it was uh, now is the time to show up and develop yeah. trust. Indeed it is. So now's the time to show up. Trust and transparency have never been more crucial 
you know, they're always crucial. But right now we have the ability to really push the agenda for trust and transparency. I think with social media, with the internet, uh, as soon as trust and transparency isn't apparent, uh, things are being jumped on immediately, as we can tell with the news lines, the topics, and there has never been so much confusion, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So if we, even, even if we don't go into our own politics um, here, because I'd, I'd like us to stay apolitical, <laughs> at least at a local level. Good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, if we have, have a look at what's happening overseas, for example, people really don't know what to believe. They're being fed so many different aspects and different perspectives and different viewpoints. Um, that people are a bit lost as to what is the truth and what isn't the truth. And all we've got to do is look at look at the conversations that happened around, did Donald Trump have COVID or did he not have COVID? Mm. You know, so I, I don't remember a time where we have actually doubted at that level um, what's been going on. So there's quite a, quite a number of things that people can do within their own organisations and their own businesses. So many companies actually recognise the need um, to have a no-blame culture. It's not as easy to implement as the word should be, as, as it should be to implement. Um, but we need to... In, I think one of the steps, the first steps to, towards that is to positively celebrate when people do make mistakes and give people the ability to fail fast. You know, we've mm-hmm. mentioned many times we say fail fast. You know, if you're going to try it, take the risk, try it. But, you know, if it doesn't work, at least you've tried it. However... We aren't as quick to reward the failures. We're very quick to put people down and people aren't game enough really at the end of the day to take the risk. So whatever we can do, um, and we need to encourage risk-taking if we're going to encourage innovation, they go hand in hand. Exactly, um, and they say, I mean, most of the quotes on success talk about you, you, you only get success from having so many failures. Correct. You know, I mean, just imagine if when you were little and the first time you rode a bike you fell off and you never got back on that bike again. But I think one of the, I don't know if you remember, but quite some years ago we were holding um, what was then called the BRW Most Innovative Companies um, breakfast. And mm. we had a, had a gentleman from Blue Chile that came, the CEO from Blue Chile that came to, um, came to speak at one of those breakfasts. And he was telling us about their Golden Rooster Award. He did actually call it something else, but, it, you know, it's the Golden Rooster Award. And they would celebrate every, every week. If you had the worst idea in, the, in that um, organisation, you would receive the golden rooster. And, but you actually had to say then, you had to get up and give a little talk about why it was the worst idea. So mm-hmm. that everybody in that organisation learned. And it's not, it wasn't something that, you know, everybody didn't want to have the worst idea, but at least it wasn't this um, thing that was hidden. People were quite open about trying new things and if it didn't work, they, would, they could very much get up and, and tell people what was going on. So I guess a challenge for organisations might actually be to add a KPI that rewards risk and failure. Mm. Mm. Um, you, could, you could even have um, a hall of, hall of failed ideas, fame things, so that people, were, as they walked into your organisation, they could see all the things that didn't work and maybe in a different section of the organisation see all the things that did work. Um, and also the other thing I really liked, there was a, I went into an organisation once and there was, you know, all the pieces of scrunched up paper um, and there was this huge glass jar and it was full of um, scrunched up paper. And I said, what's that? And they said, they're all the ideas that we're chucking out this month. Right. Um, so, you know, just to have those visual cues there, I think, is mm. really important. Mm. And, to, and because it really does allow people to have a go. Um, and, you know, we're not talking about losing thousands and thousands of dollars, um, you know, with, with a fail fast, fail forward, you know, risk of a risk, take a risk um, attitude. 
um, because everything needs to be measured and tempered. But, you know, now is a really good time to put these things in place. Trust okay. and transparency, number one. And next week we'll visit number two. Christina there helping us to understand that first point. Let's keep, let's keep working on them. And you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. It's coming up to 27 minutes to 2. Time for our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one, keep experimenting with different leadership styles. To grow as a leader, you must dive into projects and activities, interact with different kinds of people, experiment with new ways of getting things done, and try out various leadership styles. Most learning involves some form of imitation, and understanding that nothing is original. So stop you stop viewing authenticity as an intrinsic state. It's really an ability to take elements you have learned from other styles and behaviours and make them your own. But don't copy just one person's leadership style. Tap many diverse role models. There's a big difference between totally imitating someone and borrowing selectively from various people to create, modify and improve your own leadership style. It's okay to be inconsistent from one day to the next. That's not being fake. It's how you figure out what's right for new challenges and circumstances. So what type of leadership are you giving out? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at those essential things for your website. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to look at the myths of business insurance with Wayne Lennon. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, The Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Steve Jobs once said, I'm convinced that about half of what separates the successful entrepreneurs from the non-successful ones is pure perseverance. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.